Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from night four of our Reach Conference 2021 with our very own Pastor Omar Lopez. Enjoy this message. I get to check out my wife as she goes down, and that's awesome. <laughs> that's probably the best part of the conference, but... Uh, Are you excited tonight? Believe it or not, we got a lot of things to do tonight. Is that all right? We've got a lot of things to do tonight, but I'm going to minister the Word of God, if that's okay. And I want to focus on a particular chapter in John chapter 4 of the Word of God. I want to thank all the pastors that are here tonight and their partnership I can't do it without all the pastors that are here that have partnered together to make this conference possible. Come on, let's give them a hand tonight. I'm so grateful to be able to minister the Word of God on a Friday night to all of you folks and so blessed uh, to see so many friends that have come and uh, just just to come to support the conference and I'm, I'm excited. I, I forgot to mention yesterday as a real good friend of ours, uh, Pastor Paul Pimentel, sitting right here in the front from Mission Hills Fellowship in Hayward. In fact, he's going to run for senator. He's running for senator up in the Bay Area. So pray for him. He's going for it. And so we're believing God for that. But you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 4 of the Word of God. And I begin to think of all the conversations that Jesus had in the Word of God. One of the most interesting conversations he's ever had, or I could see in Scripture that changed somebody's life instantly with the conversation that he had with a woman at the well. It's probably one of the most profound conversations. In fact, it's recorded as one of the longest conversations that Jesus had with anyone besides his disciples or any family. It's the longest conversation in the New Testament. And it says something to us that I believe today that encompasses our theme tonight, which is reach, restore, release, right? That's been our vision. And I believe it really does encompass her life or the vision in her life. It's incredible the things that we learn through this story, that Jesus went through great lengths to reach this woman at the well. He went through great lengths today. He broke protocol. He tore down racial barriers. He exposed religious hypocrisy. And in this story, we never get to know her name, but we do see that Jesus changed her life. And so in John chapter 4, verse 14, or verse 4 of the Word of God, I'm going to read that verse of Scripture. It said, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town to buy food. 
And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him to give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, and did also his son and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him or give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So let's pray as we dive into this message today. Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's in this house today, the people of God. Lord, I pray today that the word of God would just unfold in their hearts and their minds. Lord, that your word would speak into their hearts today. That God, that the word of God would be deposited into their soul. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare the word of God today. Lord, help me to preach your word with clarity and with anointing, Lord. And let the people of God hear the voice behind the voice, which is the Holy Spirit, not my wife. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, there's a story behind that. I always say, Lord, uh, let them hear the voice behind the voice. And one day my wife came up. She goes, I'm the voice behind the voice. <laughs> Told the church that I couldn't even pray that prayer anymore. Every time I say it, I think about her. She's the voice behind the voice. When I think about this story, although 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked the earth, there are still things that are happening in our lifetime that are happening today that was happening then. And even today, there are people that are looking for hope. People today that are having, they, they have dreams. They want to be fulfilled. And we struggle with the same problem they did back then. We struggle with anger today. We struggle, struggle with mispriorities, hypocrisy, guilt, indifference. You got to hear some of those messages in the morning. Misguided ambition, limited faith, convenient excuses, nagging doubt, broken dreams, personal failures. And sometimes I hear people say that the Bible is not relevant. What Bible are you reading? Because every time I read the Bible, it relates today in 2021. Everything that we're going through, every single thing that you and I deal with today, you could read it in the Bible. Because the Bible is as timeless as tomorrow. It deals with issues that we're dealing with today. And I'm here to tell you today, as you begin to read it, the Bible tells us so many things about ourselves. It tells us so many things that we need to learn. Who we are, where we came from, uh, where we're going, all of these things, how to live. And this woman, this story of this woman is a metaphor. It is an allegory to where we're at today. And I'm here to tell you, just like this woman, the world is thirsty for fulfillment. 
The world wants some purpose. The world is looking for meaning. Uh, they're reaching for something that could fulfill their life. They're looking for something that uh, can satisfy them. Uh, and I, how many know that we have the answer? His name is Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that this woman went to the well, and she went to the well every day, that same well, to get water. She reached uh, or she uh, walked to a certain destination, Jacob's well. She had to reach down uh, uh, deep into that water with a bucket to get some satisfaction uh, because uh, she was thirsty. And let me just say something about thirstiness. Thirstiness is an expression today that people want fulfillment in their life. And yet they are looking for fulfillment outside of them when in reality God is trying to reach inside of them. And so people have to repeatedly and consistently do something over and over. They're looking for something to quench their thirst. They're looking for something to satisfy them. There is a void. And how many know there is a God void that only God can satisfy? There's a hole in your soul and only God can satisfy it. I'm here to tell you today, as I begin to read this story, I begin to think about this because all of us have this void. God created this void in us because it is attached to our identity. We were created not to be independent, but we were created to be dependent upon him. You have a longing in your life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastic that he has placed eternity in our hearts. And many people are in search of something. They're looking for something and they're trying to get it from an outside well that will not adequately satisfy them. And I'm here to tell you, the only one that can quench your thirst is Jesus. He's the only one that can quench it today. See, when you become thirsty, it can become a trap. It keeps us trapped in a cycle of dysfunction and repetitive and redundant behavior. We're attempting to get a, a, a well, or we're attempting to satisfy ourselves from a well that can only temporarily satisfy you. Lots of people are looking for satisfaction, or they're looking for accomplishments to satisfy them, and affirmation. And I, I can tell you today, you can get the pats in the back, you can get the raw, raw after you accomplish something. You can feel uh, really fulfilled. You can feel satisfied. But how many know after a while that accomplishment gets old and you got to do something new again? The same thing with acquisition. It functions in the same way. We can acquire something, something we worked hard for. And we understand what the Bible says, that it's okay to enjoy the fruit of your labor. But we also understand that after you acquired something, you get for a season uh, this feeling of satisfaction. But that thirstiness comes back. And God, I'm here to tell you, is the only one today that can satisfy you. Because after a while, no matter how much you try to acquire, no matter how much you try to accomplish in your life, there's always this emptiness in your life. And I'm here to tell you that God creates that emptiness so it can push you to him, not to the outside well, that so you could realize tonight that he can satisfy you if you reach out to him. 
Because if you don't find him, you'll never be satisfied. That is our message to the world today. Because there's not enough of them to satisfy you. God is the only one. There's an urban term, and probably all you young people know this. I didn't even know this. What They, they, they call it thirsty. That guy's thirsty. I didn't know that. I didn't know what that was. I looked it up. And, and, they, and they go, that, that per, when you call somebody thirsty, that guy is desperate. They, they want validation. They want compliments. They want attention. You see it all the time on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, they're thirsty. You could tell. They are thirsty. They got all this makeup on. They don't even look like the same person. You, you've, you've seen those makeup things lately where you get these ladies, they, they ain't even got teeth. But man, when they put the makeup on, you go, oh my gosh. I hate to be the guy to marry her, man, or date her. But that's another story. But there's a lot of people that are thirsty. But you know what? It's not only those on Facebook. There's some people in church that are thirsty. You're looking for affirmation. You're a little desperate. There's the thirstiness in you. See, thirstiness can become a trap. Because you can get stuck in mediocrity. Because God wants you to live in coldness. He wants you to live in coldness where you're being led. Not being, not live, not be thirsty and live by drivenness. But he wants you to live by coldness. In other words, God had the calling on you. Because when you live by your thirst, you start obeying two masters. Have you ever seen that commercial, obey your thirst? Not always. Because some of that thirst isn't right. Sometimes you're thirsty for the wrong thing. And before you know it, you get misled. And you start thirsting for things and you're going down the wrong path. You're going down the wrong direction. Sometimes the Spirit of God is trying to lead you to something different, but because you've always been thirsty and you go to the same well and you get, you know where to go, you're only getting satisfied temporarily. See, you can't chase affirmation and calling at the same time. You gotta realize what you're called to do. You gotta realize what your purpose is. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's God. Just because you're doing something that makes you feel good doesn't mean that it's God. Well, I feel good doing it. It doesn't mean you're doing what God's will is for your life. You may feel good doing it. It may satisfy you temporarily, but it's a trap. And it will keep you going to that well over and over again. And see, I believe today we're supposed to be thirsty, but our thirst needs to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. This is what Jesus said to be thirsty for, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He said, I want you to be thirsty, but I want you to be thirsty for the things of God. I want you to be thirsty for the call of God. God is saying, I want you to be thirsty for my agenda. I want you to be thirsty for my priority. I want you to be thirsty for what matters to me, because what matters to me should matter to you. Those are the things that I want you to be thirsty for. I want you to thirst after the things of God. 
Otherwise, we get caught in the same cycle. You're going to the same well over and over, and you'll never be satisfied. It's like the proverbial hamster. You're, you're in that wheel, and you're exerting energy, and you're exerting all of this energy, but you're going nowhere. You're just going in that same little wheel. You got to end those things. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes to this well to reach and to rescue this woman. The Bible said there in verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. Now this statement gives us the impression that Jesus had to go there because he had no choice. But when you really begin to read the scripture, you're going to find that Jesus didn't have to go technically through Samaria. Because most Jewish people avoided Samaria. They went around Samaria. They didn't go through Samaria. Of course, the shortest point was to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go there. But Jesus understood something. Jesus was on a mission today. And we need to understand that we're on a mission today. We can't allow the devil to distract us from our mission. So you got to understand that there was racial hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. There was racial, cultural hatred. There was religious hatred. The Jews understood that they, they, they weren't supposed to go through Samaria. They understood there was this invisible border or this invisible barrier. And they avoided Samaria because of the prejudice and the racial and religious hatred that was there. Some of you that were in gangs, I know nobody was in gangs here, but just in case... You understand invisible barriers. You understand you don't cross the tracks over here. You don't go over there by yourself. You don't go through that neighborhood. How many know what I'm talking about? Because if they didn't recognize you, you didn't belong in that neighborhood, uh, they identified you and uh, you could come out hurt. But Jesus had to go to Samaria because he had a mission. There was a woman there that he had to talk to. He had to go because that was the will of God. He had to travel on that path because that's where God took him. Just because everybody else is on another path doesn't mean you're supposed to take that path. Just because somebody else takes that route doesn't mean you're supposed to take that route. Sometimes God will use your life. He'll work in your life. Sometimes it'll take you longer to make you stronger, right? Sometimes God is taking you on a different path, and sometimes he'll get you to the same place other people got there, but man, maybe there was a process. I begin to look at my life, and I begin to think, you know, there are other people got to this place sooner than I did, but maybe there were things God had to take out of my life first. Maybe there's some things in the process, in the route, that God is trying to take out of your life right now. Maybe there's some battles. You know what? I begin to think about my life. I thank God for every mountaintop and every valley and every time God was working in my life. God was cultivating that relationship. I thank God for every tear that I've shed because today God got me here. It may have taken me longer, but I'm here today because God put me on a path. See, you need to realize today, God may put you on a different path. The Bible says he got there. He was weary. And he comes to the place of Jacob's well. 
And he sits there. Now, middle, many of the wells there in the Middle East uh, are built up. They're, they're this round stone where you can sit on the ledge or on the side there. So perhaps Jesus decided to sit by the ledge uh, above the, uh, the uh, on this well. And he sat there as he waited for this woman. The Bible says uh, he came to a place uh, and it was called Jacob's well. Now, most of us know that Jacob is an Old Testament character. And I begin to think about how is it that decades later, years later, that they still identify this as Jacob's well. If you read the story about Jacob's well, many believe that, that Jacob bought that, bought that plot of land and then he dug deep to get that well. And that well, till the time that Jesus came, is still identified as Jacob's well. Could it be that he was purchasing it because Jacob was thinking of a legacy? He was thinking about future generation. Let me ask you, what legacy are you leaving behind? Is it just a bunch of things you can wear and rings and furniture and cars and you're fighting over all those things? Or are you leaving something behind for the next generation to be refreshed? Because Jacob left the well to refresh future generations. I believe today as people of God, as pastors and men of God, we're supposed to be leaving a, a legacy that will refresh the next generation and the next generation that will leave a legacy that my grandkids will be refreshed by the same spirit and salvation I got refreshed and their kids will be refreshed. We're supposed to be refreshing the next generation. Somebody say amen. See, Jesus lived a life of coldness and not drivenness. The Bible says he asked this woman for a drink. He said, will you give me a drink? And to me, it's just so ironic that Jesus is sitting there waiting for this woman, but this woman has no idea that she has an appointment with Jesus. She has no idea who Jesus is. And I, I believe Jesus is right there at the right time that that woman shows up. He's sitting right there precise. See, sometimes things are too coincidental to be a coincidence. The time, the moment that you got saved, the moment somebody gave you a gospel track, the moment somebody witnessed to you, the moment somebody shared the gospel with you. I began to think about my life when I was 16 years old. I lived in Huntington Park. At the time, it was a lot nicer then, but I lived there, and I was there, and I remember every day after school, I would go to the park. I'd hang out sometimes, sometimes, many times I was playing basketball, whatever. Every day after school, I was at Salt Lake Park. And I remember one night I was there, and I was sitting there on a bench, and this guy came up to me, and he gave me a gospel track. How many remember what those are, right? And it would say, Bank on Jesus. I said, Bank on Jesus, what's this? I, I, I thought this was sacrilegious. I said, man, are you making fun of God? He goes, no. In fact, I'm not making fun of God. I'm trying to tell you, you need to bank your life on Jesus. I didn't understand what, the, what, what it meant. And then he said, here, read this. And he gave me another tr gospel track, and it was a chick gospel track. And on there was, uh, was deaf, and it said, hi there. And I began to talk about 
what's going to happen after you die. And it began to talk about the judgment seat of Christ or standing before the judgment seat of God. What do you have to say to yourself? And I remember as I began to read that, I began to realize, man, I need, I need to get right with God. I'd never thought about it. I never thought about, I thought I, you know, I did all my little prayers, you know, the traditional prayers, uh, all of the things, you know, and, and I did all of that, but I didn't realize at that time I wasn't really right with God. But I, when I got to the end and said, say this prayer, the sinner's prayer, and you'll be saved. And something told me, said, something told me, if you read that prayer and you say it, you, you better be committed. So guess what? I didn't say the prayer. I just knew. Something told me. You say that prayer. You read that. And that means you mean business. But, I, but many of you know my story. You know my, my testimony. I, 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 I begin to read that gospel track. At the, at the back of it, it said, if you'll send $5, you'll get a bunch more. So guess what? We wrote a little, we wrote a check. It was a money order back then. Hit a money order. And before you know it, I had all these gospel tracks. And they sent me a bunch more. I, I was reading them, man. I had them all over my, my, my desk, wherever I had them. And my brothers were reading. I was giving them out. I didn't know I was witnessing and being, sharing the gospel with people. I, I thought they were great stories. Three months later, after I started reading the Bible, this guy from, from another church came to me and he began to share and talk about the church. And I said, man, I'll go to church with you. And he said, well, how do you know about church? I go, I don't know. I've, I've been reading these things. I had them all in my pocket. <laughs> he goes, what are you doing with us? I, I got a bunch of these, man. <laughs> and, and, and before you know it, man, I ended up in church. And I remember that first day that I walked in. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit then, but, but I know today with the Holy Spirit said, you belong here. This is your church. And I remember I came to the altar that day, I responded, and I knew that day, whenever you make that commitment, I'm never turning back. And I can tell you, I've never turned back. 45 years ago, I made that commitment to Jesus. This woman's at the well, and Jesus is waiting to talk to her. She has some major issues. How many thank God that God had enough patience to wait on you? Some of you were pig-headed too, I'm telling you, right? I mean, just stubborn. And so he's waiting there, and this woman has no idea. It's the Holy Ghost setup, man. He's about to talk to this woman. We know that if you read the story, you'll find that this woman is coming in the middle of the day, of the heat of the day. She's coming to this well when most women did not come in the heat of the day. They went early in the morning when it was cool or in the evening when it was cooler. And so most people uh, never came in the middle of the day to draw water because that was the hottest time of the day. In fact, most women, when they went early in the morning, it was time, you know, it was kind of a social, you know, comadres were there, they were chatting, getting the water, como esta comadre, they were talking and the whole thing, they're having a good time, you know, and, and sharing recipes and everything, and, and tortillas, the whole, I don't know what they were doing, but anyway, they were chatting, they're having a great time, and it was a social highlight of most of the women in the morning, they would go to the well to draw water. But this woman, this particular woman didn't go because she was ostracized. She was the woman that was walking in shame and in guilt. And Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink of water? 
And the woman said to him in John chapter 4, verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So this woman is completely surprised that Jesus is speaking to her. He, he's completely surprised. He, uh, she's saying, man, you're a Jew. I'm Samaritan. Uh, uh, you, we don't talk to you. Goes, number one, you're a Jew. Number two, I'm a Samaritan. And number three, she's a woman. A rabbi did not speak to a woman in public. And so she was thinking to herself, I've never met anybody like you. I have never spoken to anyone like you. Someone that does not allow their people group to become a barrier to talking to my people group. She said, I know that you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You know what Jesus was doing? He was modeling kingdom living. We need to model kingdom living if we're going to reach the world for Christ. Let me say this, because often our identity with our own people group is often a reflection on how we treat other people from different people groups. Let me just say this. Kingdom living override the way that we were trained and influenced by our earthly people group. Are you listening to me? Because when I was born, I was born naturally, but when I was born again spiritually, I see everybody the same, no matter what nationality, no matter what gender. I'm not going to allow my own people group to cause the barrier with people of different people group. See, we need to be reaching all kinds of people, different color, different nationalities. Can you say amen? I'm excited. They're, they're, I, I don't want to put them on blast, but I'm excited. I've got some Koreans in my church, man. I'm so excited when I see them. I'm trying to do everything. Don't leave. Don't stay here. I know there's a lot of brown people here, but stay, please. Stay. I love brown people. I love you guys, but I, but I want to see some different people. Amen. You see, Jesus was not concerned about being politically correct. He wanted to be spiritually correct. And he was concerned about reaching people that most of us today probably would not want to reach. He was concerned about reaching people that most people would disdain today. Would look at them and say, there's no way, I don't want to talk to that person. There's no way, I'm going to stay away from that person. See, I often wonder today, what, how would we have treated this woman at the well? The Bible says this woman was thirsty, or she came to that well because she was thirsty. But in actuality, she wasn't thirsty for water. She was thirsty for relationship. The world today is looking for relationship. The world today is looking to belong. These are people that we need to be reaching because somebody reached you. We heard this morning that many times when God puts our lives together, we get spiritual or gospel amnesia. We forget where God delivered us from, and now we can't touch those people that were like us. You think you got it all together? You ain't got it all together. You're lying. 
There's still things God needs to do in your life. I love what Jesus said. He said, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you got that right. That's true. <laughs> you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man you have right now is not your husband. See, there's no such thing as common law husbands, okay, and wives, right? No, no such thing as common law marriage. You still got to, you know, make your vows, get married, put a ring. If it's not a ring, it, you ain't married. That's just another sermon. And so anyway, Jesus, Jesus says to go call your husband. He's not trying to embarrass her. He's not trying to insult her. Jesus is trying to bring some instruction to her about what her real thirst is. She said, I have no husband. So Jesus said, you're right that you have no husband. You've had five husbands. And she said, the one that you're living with is not your husband. And again, I'm here to say to you that this is the longest conversation Jesus ever had with anyone. And here he is talking to this promiscuous woman. He's talking to this immoral woman. He's not talking to a religious leader. He's not talking to a politician. But he starts his conversation with a woman that most people and most of us would not have talked to and yet Jesus is reaching out to her. Those are the example or that's an example of the people we need to be reaching out to. And Jesus began to say that, you know what? The husband is not your problem, a relationship. And some of us are judging her for having five husbands. We're judging her because she had five husbands instead of realizing that five men wanted her. Am I right? Tells me she wasn't ugly. Five, five guys waiting for her. Hey, you don't want her? I'll take her. Number three, they, you don't want her? I'll take her. Number six, they, I don't even need to marry her. I'll take her. Your judge goes, that ain't right because you don't have any options. This woman did. You ever notice, people, you ain't right? Yeah, because you have no options. What do you do with all your options? See, that makes a difference. That's another sermon. But I'm going to just tell you right now, this, this woman had all these options in her life. All this was going on. And it really tells us something about her perspective. Because her perspective has everything to do with who God is in her life. When she saw Jesus coming, she was probably thinking in her life, I don't need another man. Or when she saw Jesus talking to her, she said, I don't need another man in my life. I don't need number seven. Right? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is saying, I'm not like those other six men in your life. I'm here to complete you and change your life. See, these are the kinds of people that God wants us to reach. Because if we're not careful, we can prejudge people. I know not in the church, maybe down a church down the street, but we can prejudge people. And, and we don't see what God sees. And sometimes the church could be this way. We don't see what God sees. And we have a limited view and we have a limited perspective of what God is trying to speak to us and what God is trying to say to us because we're looking at people not the way God sees them. 
Let me give you, let me just give you this illustration. I just need to jump ahead here real quick. I begin to think about this woman. The Bible says that he began to tell her everything about her life. And she goes back to her city. And she said this, she goes back to her cities. And, and the scripture says, just then his disciples returned, were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want? Or, what, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of town and made their way toward him. This woman is completely converted between verse 26 and 27. She leaves her water pot and she goes to the town and begins to share what God has done in her life. She was changed in that encounter with the Lord. And she wanted to tell somebody else. She wanted to share her encounter and her experience with somebody else. The church here, let me just kind of bring a metaphor here. This woman represents the church. Because the female gender in scripture describes the body of Christ as a, a bride. And so Jesus is having an interaction with this woman. And it could be, it's the metaphor that Jesus is having an interaction with his bride. And he's willing and he's wanting to quench our thirst. But we are caught in a thirst trap. And we're chasing after other things rather than chasing after God. Rather than pursuing the will of God. And the amazing thing is when God saves her, she becomes a lifeguard to those that are drowning. And all she does is extend an invitation. You know, sometimes we don't need to give people an explanation about God. It's hard to even explain who God is. You just need to tell me, God changed my life, man. Just pray this prayer. We're going to do it right now. She becomes this lifeguard. See, sometimes all people really want is somebody that's real, not somebody that's always right. Sometimes they just want somebody authentic. Somebody today that will see them and value them more than what the world is. She had compassion. Do we have compassion? She went back to her city and she had compassion for those friends and those people that she knew. She went back over there and she had compassion. See, are we judging people today instead of feeling sorry for them? Let me just be real. Sometimes people will post something and will look at somebody's post. It's a disturbing and questioning post and will screenshot it and will text it around to a group and will say all kinds of slanderous things about that person. You believe her? Oh my God. Oh my God. You can look at what she's wearing. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Look at this. And we circle it and we put arrows to it. Am I right? When we should be saying, poor guy, poor girl, she, she's lost. She needs the Lord. I need to pray for that person. She's looking for affirmation. 
If you heard somebody that walked into your church, if you heard that they had five husbands, what would you do? How would you treat them? What would you think? Man, Elizabeth Taylor II, I can't believe she walked in the church today. Man, is, she, is that Larry King's sister? What's going on? My goodness, been married so many times. How would we treat people and judge them if all we looked at was on the outside? I begin to think about some of the men that are pastoring here today. What if we had looked at them from the outside and not seen the value on the inside? I was thinking about Pastor Mike Perez. He came in. I think he owed I, I, Pastor Mike. I can share your testimony. Am I okay? I, I don't know how much money he he was above forty thousand in child support. And I could look at him and say, "You're a deadbeat dad, man." He was divorced. I go, "Oh, you're just a divorcee." He was he was a, a, a pharmaceutical agent, not legally either. <laughs> Supplementing. If you know what I mean. We could say, what a loser. But instead we said, God can do something in his life today. God can change his life. There's hope. I think about Pastor Mondo and Lisa. They walked in. They, they had a baby. He's 16 years old. Have a baby. You know, they, they, I'm thinking, man. He looked 30, though, but he was 16. <laughs> the guy couldn't even clean his room. His mom showed his pictures, right, Mondo? <laughs> Pastor Mondo, Sherry, he's not ashamed. He'll tell you, his mom brought pictures. He can't even take out the trash. The whole kitchen full of trash bags. <laughs> Couldn't hold down a job that much. But we could have looked at that and said, you know, he's no good. But today he's pastoring the church. God raised him up. See, what kind of person do you see today? Because Jesus looked at this woman and said, she's going to be a lifeguard. I'm going to use her to reach, restore, and I'm going to release her into the kingdom. I'm here to tell you today. No matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, no matter how bad of a life you've had, I'm here to tell you that God can use your life. God can anoint you. God will empower you today. God will use you. All it takes, you know what? It tells me today, it's no wonder people aren't running the church because we don't have compassion for them. You know, people ought to be running to church today. They ought to be trying to break the doors down. But you know why they don't? Because we judge them before they come. I've got to say this again. I've said it over and over so many different conferences. When people walk in the door, they need to belong. They just need to feel like they belong. This is my, this is where I belong. Stop trying to get them to change how they dress. You got to believe, bro. You got to do it. Man, you belong here. We love you. Come here. Come, come sit down right here. Come sit down next to me. Have a cup of coffee. Man, I don't know you. It's okay. I'll, I'll get to know you. I love you, man. You don't really know anything about me. It's okay. You'll be my friend. You just keep coming to church. Because we believe after they belong, they'll begin to believe. And then after they begin to believe, they'll begin to behave. 
And after they begin to behave, then they're going to become the man and woman of God that God called them to be. That's our vision. We need to reach some people today. We need to reach some people, some women at the well. Are you hearing me? Some women today that are lost, people that need God, people that have been broken because we know a healer. He's the way maker today. He's the healer today. See, how do we see God today? We've got to convey that to other people. That God, the big God, that he can change people's lives. In fact, the worse they look, man, the greater the miracle. Sometimes I see people come in the door and I go, hallelujah. That's going to be a great miracle right now. I'm serious. And they'll be mad-dogging me, man. They'll be looking mean, trying to, trying to make eye contact with me. I'm just smiling, hallelujah, God bless you. I'm just over, I'm not even looking that way, you know. If I do, I'll smile, you know, and, and then you know, by the time the altar call comes, man, they're breaking down, crying. They're at the altar. I said, thank God. I didn't judge that person before they came in. Come on, we don't have it all together. Somebody reached us. God restored us, and he released us today. Today, I want to encourage you today. Get the vision of God. Get the vision of Jesus today. There are so many souls today, so many lives that need the Lord. I was thinking about Pastor Kelly's statement. He made a statement, not at this conference, but at his own conference. He said that uh, this was last year. He said that he was looking on the video and watching all of these people when they were out there burning things and protesting and doing all of these things that were happening. I'm not going to get political. I'm just telling you that he's seen all these young people. And he got angry. He said he got angry. He got mad. Like, I can't believe these people at first. And then God convicted him and said, those are the next pastors. Those are the next evangelists. That's the church right there we need to be reaching. Those are the people of God we need to be reaching right there. And we're just saying, they're no good. They're, you know what? Those are the people we're going to reach for the kingdom of God. Those are the people that God's going to raise up for his kingdom today. I want us to bow our heads for just a second. Close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I thank you today. I thank you for your grace, God. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you reach down to save us. That you reach down, God, to touch us and restore us. And God, you've released us to do your will. God, we're just grateful. We don't deserve it. We didn't even earn any of this. It's by your grace today that we can do what we're doing. So, Father, I pray you'll reach across this building right now. There are people in this place right now that don't know you. There are people watching online right now that have never surrendered their life to you. And God, the highlight of everything we do, the highlight of every service is people giving their life to you. God, if people don't give their life to you, we didn't have a church service. We're, Lord, we do it to celebrate your presence, but we do it to invite people into your presence. And so if you're out there right now with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, and you've never given your life to Jesus, 
You say, you know, Pastor, I, I need to get right with God. Maybe you're watching online right now. You need to get right with God. You need to give your life to Jesus tonight. You need to surrender your heart to him. I don't care how messed up your life is. I, I don't care what your background is. I don't care how broken you are. I'm here to tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you, that wants to heal your soul, that wants to change your life today. And all you have to do is say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Christian, would you just pray silently right now? There are souls in this building right now, even in a conference like this. There are people that maybe are here for the first time. Or maybe that the second time they've come. But they've never surrendered their life to Jesus. I'm here to tell you there's a God that loves you. And there's hope for you today. There's hope for you. And all you got to do is surrender your life to him. If that's you, you're in this building right now. You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life right now. Would you just raise your hand all over this building right now? Just begin to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. All over this building say, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. Maybe you, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You say, man, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord tonight. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Say, yes, I need to rededicate my life to him. Just raise your hand all over this place. All over this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you do me a favor tonight? In fact, why don't we all stand together right now? If you raise your hand, if you say, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want you to come up here. I want you to just come right down here to this altar. Come on, let's, let's clap for some people today. You raise your hand, and we're not here to embarrass you. We're not here today to put you to shame. We just want you to make your way down here real quick and say, you know what? I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Just come, just come right now. Just make your way down here. Whoever you are, just make your way down here. People are coming. Thank you. People are coming. Just come. Come on, we need some workers. Man, these are people right here. These are people getting right with God. That's what we're talking about. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Thank you. People getting saved. See, we're even at a conference. Come on, let's celebrate that. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And I'm here to tell you there's more than one there's the party going on in heaven tonight. There's the celebration. We have reached some people with the gospel. So guys, go ahead and pray with them right there. I'm telling you, this is exciting. People giving their life to Jesus. There's more that are coming tonight. I'm telling you, that's what it's about. People getting right with God. Come on, look at There's more. Let's pray with them. Come on. Come on, let's celebrate that. Come on, lead them to the Lord right there. Lead them to Jesus right there. Let's just take a moment to worship, and, and they're going to pray. And we'll make another altar call in just a moment. Come on. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.